Hello and welcome to the first Tradecast of 2017. Uh, my name is John Bakey, I'm Head of Digital for The Trade and we are recording this on the 5th of January um, and I'm joined today by Joe Parsons, our Derivatives Editor, John Watkins, the uh, Chief Honcho, Big Editor Man, and uh, our uh, reporter Hayley McDowell. Hi guys. Hi John. Good to see you. Have you enjoyed the winter break from podcasting? I definitely have, yeah. yeah. Um, I like to think of it like but like Game of Thrones, where we've just spent months and months coming up with new material and left the uh, listeners in suspense for a new series. Uh, yeah, something like that. Well. <laughs> 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 uh, okay, um, kicking off, it's been a pretty eventful start to the year, I think, really. Um, probably starting off with a little bit of a look back on 2016, which was extremely volatile. For a number of to reasons, say the least, especially in derivatives world, it was yeah. So um, f- futures have seen greater demand as a result of this volatility. Do you want yeah. to tell us a bit more about that? Yeah, it's the couple of little things like Brexit and Donald Trump yes. has uh, <laughs> somewhat caused a bit of volatility in the markets. Um, all good news for derivatives exchanges, of course. Um, like throughout the year, you saw a couple of records, um, especially in sort of some of the interest rates, equity uh, derivatives. Uh, FT index derivatives um, and I think coupled with that with some of the regulation that's coming out so uh, the uncleared margin rules stricter capital rules um, people sort of start to look at sort of the capital efficiencies that futures offers and um, yeah so be good news for sort of exchanges that will hope to look to launch um, sort of lookalike products and sort of capitalise on this uh, surge so those was the variation rules coming in, mm-hmm. variation margin rules coming in in March. Has there already been a move to, to exchange traded derivatives or do you think that will come with with that deadline? I think that will probably come with that deadline. Um, we've seen you know, certain moves to voluntary clearing of certain interest rate derivatives, namely in sort of inflation swaps or swaps and those kind of things. Um, but I think that with... Basel three as that gets rolled out, yeah, might see a resurgence of swap futures, the the, the once uh, heralded replacement <laughs> of OTC derivatives. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll probably see you know, more volumes coming through in the exchanges. And it is there is the incentive there to, to clear these derivatives, right? It's not it doesn't work out cheaper still to just pay the higher margins. People will actually move over to no, exactly. traded products, right? Okay. Interesting, um, and I suppose on the equity side of that, uh, interestingly, it was a bit of a dour end to the year, um, even though it's certainly around Brexit in particular, they all uh, reported some pretty record volumes as a result of uh, the volatility that it created, but December was pretty lackluster for a lot of them, Deutsche Post down 5%, in Spain down some 30% or so, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, so... You know, it's uh, it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out over the over the next year, and whether continuing uncertainty and, and other things prompt a, a rise in trading, which I suppose is going to be good for some and bad for others. Absolutely. We'll, we'll have to sort of delve into that a bit deeper as well. We'll get you know annual reports coming through soon. We'll mm. be able to do a bit more of an analysis on on how twenty sixteen really was. There's already been a bit of some stuff you were looking at earlier today on, on banks and it yeah. seems like not a single investment bank has has, has seen an increase in revenues. Wow. Yeah, so it was investment banking. Jeffrey's came up with 
fence figures. This was, there, isn't this was top 10. Right. Like global investment oh, banks. Okay. And it's a bit of a snub, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but the, uh, the overall, like, the sort of total revenues, they're all down yeah. for, like, the second consecutive year. Mm. So. Yeah, it's... Um, uh, not, not perhaps looking too rosy, but I guess they're cutting costs as well. And yeah. the real thing for them will be whether those cost cuts, efficiency savings, will maybe they'll have lower revenues going forward. But can they sort of remain as profitable as they were? We'll see. Um, another thing from 2016, which is back with a vengeance this year, is blockchain. Uh, never left. <laughs> Growing there, the mention of blockchain. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but you know, anyway, it's it's you know something what that's is this blockchain. It's uh, it's the old uh, distributed ledger ah. technology <laughs> whereby your uh, your ledger is distributed. <laughs> no, no, but no, but more seriously, the it's essentially a way of having multiple sources of checking transaction data, isn't it? Yeah, so you're no longer reliant on, you know, it essentially kind of works in an automated fashion. It checks with multiple different sources to ensure that a transaction happens, and then you can have absolute certainty that mm -hmm. a trade was agreed and that it is cleared. And, you know, there's no longer like grey areas potentially, you know, you'll have less issues around rejected trades and a lot less cost, and you won't have to have these sort of vast back office clearing and settlement departments of banks. Um, and there's potentially a lot of other uses for it, you know, in the exchange space as well. And that's that's really where this is coming to the news this week. Was uh, Adina Friedman from uh, Nasdaq? She's their new CEO. Um, she said that blockchain is going to be a really massive focus for them over the next year. Uh, they want to embed it into the technology that they sell to other exchange groups uh, and experiment on their own markets. So, I guess it'll be interesting to see what people actually come up with because while. There's been a lot of talk about how it affects clearing and settlement space. Mm -hmm. There's certainly been much less about what it means for other parts of capital markets. Uh, so I, I, for one, am actually quite interested to see how it can be applied and how it can make a difference. I think definitely 2017 is going to be the year where people will want to see results, you know, solid implementation. Yeah. They'll want to see products. They'll want to see results from it. Um, I, I don't expect that we're going to that blockchain's going to kind of die down. I think it will be maybe even bigger than, than 2016. Yeah, quite possibly. Well, they say there'll be some small-scale adoptions. Yeah, exactly. Some, some examples. Um, and then, moving on, less than uh, half of the US buy side, apparently, are expecting a direct impact from MIFID 2. Now, Hayley, this was uh, something you wrote. Ooh, tell us a bit more. Uh, so this was from ITG, I believe it was from a webinar, they, they polled 100 buy-siders all based in North America and interestingly only 43% said that they thought MIFID 2 would have a direct impact on them, um, which is quite a surprise. I find that quite hard to believe. Are they wrong? Yeah. Is the 57% wrong? <laughs> I don't know, I don't like to say, but it, just, it's a, it was a bit of a, a surprising figure. Um, Although when it comes to kind of things like unbundling, um, I forget what the figure was now, I think, oh yeah, 82% said that they are planning to fully unbundle all of their brokers sort of globally. So it is having an impact, but... Yeah, it, it's, I, I suppose it's one of the, like, you know, looking through a European lens, we, we maybe can tend to think of something like unbundling, for example, as being... Uh, part of MIFID because it has become a part of MIFID but you've actually got to remember that it wasn't always mm. it wasn't actually 
until after the FCA did a big, big sort of piece of work on it that it really kind of became a key part of MIFID two that's going to affect the trading desk and, and going to affect asset management more generally. So uh, I think m- maybe some some people in North America might not necessarily tie unbundling and MIFID two together, whereas we will. Um, but I think there's another aspect of I think it can be easy to underappreciate quite how far-reaching almost any regulation is. You know, U.S. regulation certainly has a massive effect on on traders here and they need to be aware of it and they need to understand how it's going to affect their business. And it's exactly the same the other way around. You know, more and more regulators work together. They want to harmonize their rules and, and and, and make things equivalent. And more and more as well, you know, just the fact that you're not in Europe doesn't mean that, you know, you maybe you're trading in Europe, maybe funds that you trade for are trading in Europe. So you're always going to be in some way impacted by it. Um, you know, maybe some of your investors are, are based in Europe. So you, it will have to be something that I, I would imagine almost every asset management firm needs to know something about, but they maybe just don't fully appreciate yeah. the extent to which it's going to affect them. Well, it's not long now. I mean, it's a, a year to go. It's not, and and on that note, uh, it just so happens, quite conveniently, that uh, the trade will be heading over to New York in March. Uh, We'll have a date confirmed very shortly, uh, but we're going to be holding an event on uh, how MIFID 2 affects uh, North American uh, investors. So uh, we'll provide uh, more information on that as soon as we can, but... um, you know, do let us know if that's something of interest, and uh, we uh, we'll very much look forward to to hosting that event uh, this March. I'm sure 43 percent of the buyer side also looking forward to attending. <laughs> uh, I'm more interested in those 57 <laughs> percent making sure they come along. Um, there we go. And then, uh, lastly, the biggest news probably of this week, although hardly a surprise for anybody, was uh, Euronext have. Uh, made their bid formal for LCH ClearNet SA, which is the French part of LCH ClearNet. Uh, so that's a 510 million euro purchase. Obviously this all ties into the long running drama, I suppose, of 2016, which was um, Deutsche Börse and London Stock Exchange hoping to merge. I still don't get how this would appease Competition. Yeah, it's I mean, it's, it's an t- absolute minute part of LCH group altogether because their main offering is in the interest rate swaps clearing and somewhat credit as well. This doesn't really make a difference to the overall I, I, monopoly that they have. No, no, it, it doesn't. Um, I think partly it's about appearances because, you know, obviously Deutsche Börse is you know, very much dominant in, in Germany. You know, right the way through clearing, trading, data—it's all there. In London, we've got a very much a similar situation with the London Stock Exchange. But then, for those those two kind of yeah, all right, they're big dominant giants in those countries, and they've you know, they always have been you know ever since they were mutuals. But now that uh, for them to also essentially hold that massive chunk in the middle in France yes. yeah. would you know it, it, it certainly would cause concern. So at least, you know, you've kind of got, um, you know, among the three big economies in Europe, you've got one, one group's going to be very much dominant in, the, in those two, but at least Euronext can kind of, you know, have that. We, we've got this whole value chain in France. Um, whether it's going to fully appease competition authorities, I don't know. Uh, I, suspect, about, yeah. I suspect we will see more concerns raised 
outside of this, regardless of the sale of, of uh, LCH. Uh, Let's in not France. forget as well, though, just before Christmas, um, LSE and Deutsche Board said that the um, regulators' concerns had narrowed. Yeah. So they seem to be kind of closing in on it a little bit. It's kind of the feeling that I get. Yeah, yeah. In terms of like concerns being raised, I'm I, I'm not sure. I think we'll still we may see some more spin-offs of some smaller bits of, yeah. of those businesses because mm. uh, they, yeah they've narrowed but they haven't disappeared no so <laughs> but I guess we'll see um, and uh, I guess you know there's still no real word on, on when it's actually going to happen no. um, assuming that's all approved so uh, we, we could very well be waiting for, for much of this year as well to really find out uh, exactly what's the final group is going to end up looking like. And John, you're going to investigate what this consolidation means for the buy side in our next magazine, right? I am, yeah. Um, you know, what, uh, it's not just, of course, Deutsche Börse and London Stock Exchange, we've got uh, CME buying up... Uh, CBOE. CBOE, sorry, apologies. CBOE buying up bats in the US. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's a whole, you know, a couple of years ago now, but still relevant, ice flying noisy. Um, and you know, generally, exchange groups are getting much bigger, and I suppose in particular interest, they're doing more. You know, trading isn't their bread and butter now. It's yeah, market data. It's selling technology. You know, mm-hmm. we, we talked about Nasdaq earlier. You know, they yeah. sell their technology to lots of different small exchanges in you know various countries all around the world, and, and all, all the rest the, of them do the same. In the interview with CNBC, um, Adina Freeman, the CEO of Nasdaq, she actually first said, "We are a global fintech company," mm. and then an exchange operator. Yeah. So there's definitely been like a shift, and I know that exchanges make the most money now from market data, not from you know trade execution things like that. So yeah, it's definitely been a shift. Yeah, yeah. The uh, I suppose the uh, the trading side has become something you kind of have to have, but it's not the driver of your business, as yeah, it were. It's yeah. just something that you, you have to offer to your clients in order to to then go on and do the rest. Um, but it, it's a very interesting topic, and there's a, I suppose a lot of concern about what it means for competition, how it's going to impact many of the smaller exchange groups, particularly those offering you know perhaps alternatives to the sort of big. Uh, former mutual exchanges like, you know, Bats Europe and uh, Aquis and you know other other players like that who, uh, you know, will want to continue to have a role and, and won't want to just be uh, pushed out of the trading space because trading becomes cross subsidised by all these other more profitable aspects of of the big exchange groups. Yeah. Um. I think that's uh, everything that we've got time for today. Uh, but some less subtle plugs that we can, we can You make. can do some plugs if you'd like. Yes, um, I can't really link them into anything here, so we'll just come out with them. <laughs> we've got our Q1 magazine hitting desks within the coming weeks. Possibly the most beautiful trade magazine ever created. It's the 50th issue. <laughs> it is the 50th issue. Big 5 that's right. So 12 years ago, a few of our founders came together and started the trade magazine, and 50 issues later we've got a nice... Collector's Edition magazine coming out with Gianluca Minieri from Pioneer on the front cover. Excellent. So that will be in desks ne- next couple of weeks. In February, we've got our first Mythid event of the year, mm-hmm. and that'll be on systematic internalizers. So look out for that. That'll be in London. Uh, gender and 
details, location, time, place, all be coming out soon. And then, as John said, March will be taking Amiford shows on the road and hitting up New York and telling uh, that 57% why they need to pay attention to Miffy too. I think that's all the plugs we've got. Yeah, okay, brilliant. Uh, I will just add one more in. Uh, we are... Uh, starting off our Algo survey for the year. It's the 10th year of the Algo survey, and uh, if you complete the survey, you will be entered into a draw with a chance to win uh, one of three Apple Watches. So do make sure you get down there and tell us all about your Algo providers. Uh, that's what we've got time for today. I'd like to thank you very much for listening and everyone for joining me today. Goodbye.